thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. So uh, one of the funny things about my oldest son, Dawson, um, when he was little, uh, he was a little bit afraid of uh, dogs. And so um, we kind of have a joke in our family about that. We've never actually had a dog. And so we would make jokes about it. But when he went to um, preschool, uh, the teacher had a moment where she was introducing the kids and just had a circle where she just did like an icebreaker asking preschool kids their favorite animal. And so uh, some said rhinoceros or giraffe or whatever. But the teacher told the story to Renata that our son uh, looked up and said, my favorite animal are little dogs. And um, so we always kind of had that joke with Dawson about little dogs. Well, um, last, about, a, about a year ago, just less than a year ago, Dawson and I are sitting right over here. Now he's 17. And uh, tall, dark, and handsome was up. And, uh, and uh, we're sitting there and this massive dog, uh, as we're sitting at this Panera cafe and outside, and this dog comes up. And I'm not exactly sure why this dog decided to just like come up and just put his head up on Doss and just started like playing with Doss, but just was all right up on Dawson and, and just coming after Dawson. And Dawson just kind of starts to just get just kind of frantic, just trying to figure out why this dog is on him. And then this man comes up and he's like, Dawson, stop it. Dawson, stop that. Dawson, quit. Dawson, 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 you know better. Dawson, you know better than that. Dawson. And I'm starting to try to figure out what is this guy saying to my boy? Like what? Who is this guy? Then he grabs the dog and he pulls him over and he goes, bad Dawson, bad Dawson. And I just looked at the guy and I'm like, oh, your dog's name's Dawson. My son's named Dawson, you know, and just... And uh, I just love teasing Dawson about that moment because Dawson, my son, not the dog, says that in that moment, he was just trying to figure out what's going on. Like, this is crazy. This is chaotic. He said, I'm just sitting there just doing my homework. And all of a sudden, some dude's yelling at me. I don't even know what I'm doing wrong. Just seems like chaos. And what's going on? This just seems nuts. It seems crazy. And I was thinking about where we're at in our lives right now. And sometimes I feel like it just seems like things are a little bit chaotic like that. We're just kind of going, I'm not exactly sure what's going on. I was thinking about in my own life, uh, just a group of buddies that right now there's division and I'm heartbroken by it. There's just, it's, it's, it's sad. It's, it's like, how, how on earth did we get here? I was thinking about pastoring some of the people that I'm walking with and hearing some of the stories about some even division that takes place among family members. I think we're dealing with the death of some dreams. There's a whole lot of people that they're at least disappointed, if not disillusioned, as they look at some of the things that they had hoped for that somehow in the middle of this season in our world, 
Some of those dreams have either been altered or put on hold. Some of them even gone. I think most of us have dealt with people that are filled with sickness and disease. People that have faced death. And I think we're in this moment where sometimes we're just looking at each other going, this is a hard time. This is chaotic. It's interesting because Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Jesus. And in Isaiah chapter nine, he's speaking and he's speaking relevant to his day, but he's also speaking about this messianic prophecy about Jesus who would come the first century and it's relevant for us in our day. And we sang about it in that second song that the Rays sang and, and we sang about the idea that here is this son that has been given. And Isaiah gives us a little window into that time. And I want to take what he prophesies and says about Jesus in that time and talk about the savior, Jesus, the son that's been given and how it was relevant then. And it's relevant for you right now. Isaiah chapter nine, he says this verse two, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Skip forward to verse six, famous verse. For unto us, a child is born to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Not verse two, it's this great phrase that just stuck out at me as I was reading it this week. It says, a great light. The people walking in darkness. And so for just a minute, pull back from the metaphor of light and dark and just think about what's he actually talking about? Well, he's probably talking about disappointment, disarray. I mean, when you think about even the time that Jesus came, when Caesar Augustus is a dictator, there's disappointment, there's pain. And he gives this phrase, a great light has dawned. And he's speaking of Jesus. So what would happen in our lives if at this Christmas we had a little window into the great light of Jesus? I think that many of us, I think many of us have a tendency to find our hope in a light other than Jesus. I think it's easy for us to look at lesser lights. So if you get down and you really were to look inside of the heart, what, what do I most think will bring hope? What, what can I stand on? Where's my assurance? What do I really build my life upon? What can I, what can I hope for? Could be a lesser light, could be a political light. Man, if just this would happen in the political realm, then I'll be all right. Or maybe financial. Man, if we could just get this right with the economy, man, then I'd be all right. Or this with my income, well, then I'd be all right. Man, maybe, maybe if we could just make this breakthrough in science, something medical or my own body, then I'll be all right. I think right now I'm trying to raise four children in a culture that tells them that if they want to know the lights, look inward. And whether they're listening to a song on the radio or whether I'm trying to take them to an amusement park and here's the language that they hear. Hey, look inside you and there's a light within inside you. Yet what Isaiah prophesied is not what looking into man, it's looking to God. 
And this moment of Christmas is where God becomes man. Tempting for us to get so nostalgic that we just focus on the infancy of Christ and not really celebrate the deity of Christ. Celebrate here he is. I mean, it's, it's God becoming man, opening up the opportunity for you and me to be saved, to have life, and it's the great light. And I just love that great light has dawned. I was thinking about what it would look like in my life and your life if that light was the brightest light, if that was the light that we allowed to light up our lives. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, I believe in, in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. So for you campers, you could think of it this way. I've been camping where when the sun hasn't come up yet, a flashlight could be a great light. A little bit bigger light might be a campfire. Might get a little bit bigger light if I turn on my high beams on a vehicle. Could try to, try to get more light going. But man, once that sun comes up, boy, those lights don't come close to the light that I have in the light that has dawned. And there is ultimately one Jesus, the light that has dawned and the privilege that we have in 21st century America is to be able to be followers of Jesus now. That Jesus, the light of the world, gives us hope. He's the one that we find our footing. He's the one that we look to. And I think that people have false views of what Jesus is like. And so if I have a false view of what Jesus is like, then I'm not necessarily going to make him the Lord of my life. Some research say that the primary way that people right now view God is big words, but moralistic, therapeutic deism. Moralistic, God wants me to be good. Therapeutic, God ultimately wants me to be happy. Deism, God set up the world and kind of walked away. So if you have that view of God, if that's the way that you're thinking of God, it leads to a kind of not interested, kind of a Santa in the sky that's going to help me. And I'm going to just kind of try to be okay with him by trying to do some good things. And I don't engage in much relationship because he's just kind of walked away. But what if instead of moralistic therapeutic deism, we saw him tonight and tomorrow as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Because you could break down the Christ child that grew into this Jesus that engages with people, disciples, crowds, healing, goes to a cross in our place for our sin, raises from the dead, ascends into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, coming back for us. And you lock in with who he really is. And you will switch your heart and go, you're the great light. My hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. I'm going after him. I want him. Wonderful counselor. It's a great phrase, wonderful counselor. And when we think wonderful counselor, don't think therapist, think advisor. Think who, who is the person or where is the place that you listen to the most? 
Like, is it a news source? Is it a friend? Is it a family member? When you're dialoguing or when you're listening, where's the primary place you're feeding upon? Because here's the wonderful counselor. And by virtue of who Jesus is and what we celebrate, that God has become a man and we get the privilege of relationship with him, you actually could step into a relationship with the wonderful counselor. And he's a better counselor than whatever other lesser light you got going. He's the wonderful counselor. And actually, Jesus looks at his disciples and he tells them that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a counselor. You and I have the privilege right now of walking with God's counsel. So if you feel alone, if you feel like, I don't know what I'm doing, good news, that should bring great joy. There is a wonderful counselor. And you have an opportunity to walk in relationship with that counselor. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. Here's Isaiah prophesying, mighty God. So Jesus is the wonderful counselor and Jesus is the mighty God. So Jesus is God. So when he's God, then there's the moments where you've got shepherds and magi, but forever, forever, we cry holy and kneel. He is the one that, not just in the heavenly scene where they cry holy, but Philippians 2 says, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess. He's God. So easy for us, if we live in a culture that tells us to look inside ourselves, to just kind of look at Jesus and say, I'll just kind of do with Jesus what I want to do. But if he's God, if Jesus is God, if he's the mighty God, then the only appropriate response is surrender. The only appropriate response is you can have it all. And maybe you're somebody today that you think, boy, I am lacking strength. Here's the encouragement. The God who is omniscient, knows all things, wants to have relationship and help counsel you. And the God who is the mighty God, who has all power, big word, omnipotent, that God wants to give you strength. No, yeah, unbelievable, true. Huh, supernatural strength? Yeah, it's called the Holy Spirit. <gasps> no, yeah. And if that's possible, why would I settle for anything else? Just literally less than 48 hours from now on Sunday, we're going to start a new series in this room on the Holy Spirit. And my dream for us is that you would walk with the Holy Spirit and know him. My dream is that you would know the power of God. And here's Jesus, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. And then this great phrase, everlasting father. So when you hear that phrase, don't think of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity. Think about this, describing what Jesus is like. And it's like, he's father-like. He's like a good father. He has compassion and mercy. We read Jesus telling the disciples in John 14, before, before he goes to the cross, I won't leave you as orphans. He looks at him and he says, I'll, I'll come for you. So just like a good father, he's looking at them and he's saying, I'm not going to leave you. And if you think about Jesus, he's still like that. So he shows up and he says, hey, Peter, I know you deny me three times, but let's talk. Kindness. He doesn't come to question Peter's sincerity. He comes to establish it. 
He comes to Thomas. Hey, Thomas. I know you got issues with believing here, but here. Right there, buddy. What's up? He's kind and gentle and merciful, father-like. He's the everlasting father. And some of you go, I don't know that I've known real kindness. Good news for you. That should cause great joy. There's one. His name is Jesus. And he is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. Everlasting father. And then that fourth phrase. Prince of peace. So in a world filled with brokenness. Wholeness. So think more than just the absence of violence. Think shalom is the idea of peace is the idea of wholeness that comes from a person. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, my peace I give you. I don't give you peace like the world gives. We tend to look and say, I'll, I'll, take, I'll, I'll take the way that the world has it. Just anybody that can, anything that can try to bring wholeness. Truth be told, there is only one that brings ultimate peace. His name is Jesus. So Jesus you are a wonderful counselor in my life. Yes, it is a song. And most of us can't sing it like the Rays can. <laughs> but it's also your story. He's your wonderful counselor. Yeah, he is the mighty God. I want to invite us to think about these attributes or these characteristics of who Jesus is and apply them to our lives so that we walk with a real person, Jesus. And this Christmas, we receive the Son unto you. A Son is given. The beautiful part of this story in Isaiah 9 is it's this picture of what is given. It's a gift. The greatest gift ever given to humanity was given by the Father to us. Jesus, the son. John says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And I want us tonight, as we go into this Christmas celebration, to just realign our hearts and say, Jesus, you are God of my life. You can have it all. I surrender. You're the mighty God. No one compares to you. And if I'm honest, I'm, I, I, I've been around, uh, I'll say it this way. I've been trying to tell people about Jesus since I was seventh or eighth grade. And one of the things that I've noticed is that there's some people that when you tell them about Jesus, they have this idea that's like, that's good for you, the church people. It's good for you. And they don't receive it's like they can't see the gift. And I want to invite you to see that this is not just an idea for somebody else. This is a life-changing gift for you. There are some gifts, there are some gifts that are just too good to be true. I've given some gifts that are not that great, right? This fall, my son Justice, he's 11. I decided to give him tickets to go see the Oklahoma Sooners play football in Lawrence against KU. Here's the problem. He's not a college football fan. I am. <laughs> so in reality, I gave a lesser gift. 
I gave, kind of gave the gift to myself, you know? I mean, I was dialoguing on email this week with a lady seeking to give a kidney to save the life of another. You can take to the bank that the recipient of that gift, she knows. She's counting the days. She cares. It's a gift she wants. This is not a casual gift by a crazy father <laughs> giving tickets away. This is the gift that changes your life forever and changes your eternal destiny and changes if you'll obey and discover what the way God's wired you and go lay your life down to make a difference. Your life being transformed will actually transform other people's lives as you start to become a good news proclaimer yourself. So it's, it's, it's the invitation of a lifetime. It's, it's the greatest gift ever given. And your heart posture is I receive. I just received the gift. Thank you. It's not labor that I do. I receive Jesus. Later on, man, we go into transformation and we go into serving and all that. Here's your first step. Thank you. I surrender. Jesus, be my mighty God. My only heart response and then hearing the good news is yes. Lord, at thy birth, be Lord of my life. Tonight, let's just make a confession to Jesus. We love all the nostalgia. It's fun. Songs are great. Eggnog's awesome. We love the people and candles and good times. But right, who we care about? Jesus. It's you. You're our Lord. Maybe tonight, I'd just like to invite all of us. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for 50 years. And maybe tonight you want to surrender your life and say, come be God of my life but I'd like you to pray this prayer with me. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I surrender. You are the wonderful counselor. You are the mighty God. You are the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And you're my God. I give you my life in Jesus' name.